Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Ask the Therapist. It's lovely to have you here. My name's Sarah Rees, I'm a CBT therapist and today I'm interviewing Michaela Thomas. I'm really excited to speak with Michaela today. Michaela is a clinical psychologist. She runs a therapy business called The Thomas Connection. She specialises in a range of mental health struggles people have but she focuses on perfectionism, anxiety and relationships. She's a couple therapist as well. She has some very exciting news that her first book, The Lasting Connection, is now available to buy online and in all good bookstores once they open. The Lasting Connection is for couples or if you're looking to just improve future relationships. It's founded on neuroscience and the evidence base, bringing together the concepts of mindfulness, compassion and our values so that we can build a really strong foundation for our relationships. I really enjoyed our chat. In fact, I probably really needed it as well because personally, I found that after a year of lockdown with my partner, I probably need to focus a little bit more on my relationship and making it a bit stronger because it's been challenging. But also, as Michaela points out as we talk, that it's given many couples the time and space to really spend more time together and reflect on their relationship. Because often before COVID, we were all so busy out and about and working and we have been locked down with each other. And that has been wonderful and challenging, probably in equal measures. So I know that you're going to find this episode really helpful and you're going to find Michaela's expertise really invaluable in kind of using this time to reflect on your relationship, where you are now and what you want to do as a couple going forward. It's never too late to get support or to start reflecting on your relationship. And one thing I realised when I was talking to Michaela is how neglected our relationships are. It's all about us and self-care and we're quite focused on because we're on ourselves because we're so busy but actually what about if we just gave a little bit more space to our relationships and the people around us and how much that could improve our self-care and our well-being you know it could really supercharge things if you enjoy this episode which I just know that you're going to you will be able to go forward and have a look at her book and hopefully purchase a book and please do share this episode because you never know who needs to hear it and we are we'll be very grateful for uh, all your shares and comments We'd, I'd love to hear your feedback and all the feedback I get I will of course share with Michaela so sit back relax grab your coffee and enjoy the episode so welcome Michaela to the podcast it's lovely to have you here first of all a huge congratulation on your the release of your book The Lasting Connection I'm really excited to get my hands on it but before we talk about the book could you say a little bit about you and what you do of course. Well, first off, thank you for having me, Sarah. It's really, really nice to be here. And I know you've got lots of good questions lined up for us. I even said to you that these are the best questions I've seen on a podcast interview. So I'm uh, hoping you. that everyone's going to stay to the end for that reason. So <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will to entice them like that. So yeah, yeah to mention a little bit about what I do, I'm a clinical psychologist and mm-hmm. couples therapist. And what that means is that I specialize in treating mental health problems, but not everyone who comes to me for therapy has mental health issues. It might be that they're generally feeling a bit lost in life and want some guidance around their values but a lot of people might feel anxious stressed out burnt out overwhelmed and as I specialize in perfectionism I see a lot of people who might then feel either anxious or low or depressed as a result from high standards 
So I do one-to-one work um, for both individuals and couples in my private practice called Thomas Connection. And I also do online courses and I run a podcast called Pause Purpose Play. Hopefully I'll get to invite you on that in the future. I'd love to come on. Yes, that'd be lovely. I'll really enjoy it. And uh, what else do I do? Yes, like you said, I've written a book. So I quite like doing many different things to diversify my practice. And I feel that that's a nice way to provide free resources to people, you know, providing Mm -hmm. podcast episodes and running a Facebook group where I where I provide content as well to help people constantly kind of consider this inner work that it might be doing in therapy for people who can't access therapy. So that's something I'm very passionate about. And that's why I've got a social media presence as well. So, so that, yeah, that's how I spend my week. Um, And when I'm not doing clinical work in my practice, Mm -hmm. I have a a husband and a four-year-old that keep me busy enough. Wow. So you are very, very busy then. <laughs> Not as busy as you might think, actually. We, we talked about this before. I know how actually I've decided to have my practice in a way that fits mm. with me so that I'm not burning yeah. out so I actually see fewer people a week than you might think so that's a conscious choice to I so I can actually fit in my self-care as well and focus on the things I mean I know you really you're very passionate about what you do and you really enjoy what you do as well so I think it's a you know probably the what the areas that you focus on probably are very nourishing for you because yeah no yeah I think your your book is just perfect timing for everybody who's in a relationship, given the year that we had, we never anticipated kind of being locked down with our partners for the last year, did we? So I know that, you know, from my in my own clinical practice, that lots of relationships are under a lot of strain. Can you tell us more about your book and your, I'm really interested to find out more about your pause, purpose, play method. Mm, of course. So the pause, purpose, play method, which is also the same name of my podcast and my Facebook group, it's something that isn't sort of uniquely mine, if you if you may. It's just I've packaged it with that name and that title based on other evidence-based practices like right. mindfulness, compassion, uh, what we know about playful playful therapy or play therapy, uh, positive mm. psychology. So I've just kind of packaged things we already know are effective into a format where I guide people through different stages. And I came up with this format given how much I know about perfectionists struggling with mindfulness actually coming to stillness, winding down, slowing down, reducing business, all of these things are really difficult for high striving, ambitious people to do. Mm. So I kind of devised other ways of pausing. So we do a lot of informal mindfulness practices, noticing things with your five senses in the here and now, just anchoring yourself a bit more into your body, but without it meaning necessarily seated meditation. Because a lot right. of people have huge resistance around that and seem as some data. Do you find that. that's because um people are kind of when they're doing mindfulness, they're thinking, Am I doing it right? And yeah, yeah, try, trying yeah, too hard to get it right. Absolutely. Imagine if you don't have the strongest sense of self-worth, if you don't feel that you're good enough, then those thoughts will will creep into anything you do. So you mm. might then become self-critical about even how you practice a new skill like mindfulness. And, you know, although we logically know that anything that you knew at, you'll be a bit clunky with the, to begin with. and You have to practice to go stronger. But mm. I just thought it, I wanted to meet people where they were at rather than thinking this is how you must do this. This is how you must be mindful. Uh, and actually lead people in via in an informal way where it felt less aversive. So it's partly is that they might have self-critical thoughts around how they do the practice, that it's not going to feel yeah. good enough. But partly also that when you're constantly in a busyness kind of frame of mind, when you're constantly mm. on the go and never switch off, never give yourself the permission to rest, 
Mm. When you then do, if you then engage in mindfulness practice, so it might be more like a seated meditation, eyes closed, yeah. slowing down, actually stuff comes up and that can feel really uncomfortable. It can stuff be really sweeping under the rug. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I thought it was actually pausing in a slightly different way and a way that might feel acceptable to people like slowing down five to 10% and then mm. think, what could I gain back from that time? And mm. connecting that with purpose. So we're not just slowing down and doing prescriptive things. We're connecting with things that would feel meaningful to you. So that's where we come into values and thinking about what would matter to that that particular person, you know, exploring what is their kind of true, true north in their life and finding that compass so that when you then press play again, that, you know, kind of mean that in two yeah. ways, play means that you can move forward with your life, but not going back into the same patterns of over busyness or overworking, but actually moving forward in a more playful way, more flexible way. I teach a lot around flexibility to mm. soften your rules, maybe not be so hard on yourself, so that when you move forward with your life, it's in a more meaningful way that it sort of feels fulfilling to you rather than thinking, I need to live a life that pleases other people. It's more about finding a life that pleases you. Oh, that's, that just sounds so useful because I, I know when, I mean, I myself has got, I've been too busy in the past. I think I've done a lot of work on it, like you have in kind of living a life that's more nourishing and where I'm, you know, enjoying my work and I'm not overwhelmed mm-hmm. with it. But when you get too busy you, and you're just on um, kind of a treadmill, you, you lose sight of who you are, what you enjoy, what your values are. So then if you slow down, it's just kind of an empty space. So what you're saying is kind of really refocusing on where you want to go in your life and what you want in your life. Absolutely. So that we don't just press pause and then there's nothing there. So yes. pressing pause doesn't mean press stop. Like actually, if yeah. anything, I encourage people to press pause and take a break before they break. So, you know, pressing pause before that's, you're forced to press really the eject useful, button. Yeah. Um, so if you hit burnout, then actually you're, you're forced to put your uh, life on, on hold and full stop in a, in a much more severe way compared yeah. to what you might have to do if you're just pausing here and there. So I'm trying to kind yeah. of teach people how to do that in a palatable way, like little pockets here and there, little and often, five yeah. seconds of gazing out the window here and there. So those, mm. those things is what I really brought into the book, because if you can imagine, you know, we're talking about it just mm. from an individual point of view, but if you can imagine that that is what each partner is doing in a relationship, or even if just one of you is doing that, mm. overworking or being really busy or never taking time to pause and reflect on what matters to you, you will mm. act in a way that's not in line with your priorities. You might neglect your yeah. partner or you might be irritable because you're overworked and there might be a lot of tension in your relationship and if you know it just means that we won't have the same rewarding interactions with our partner mm. so that's why I think working with each individual is also a key to improving the relationship between those two individuals it's like we're yeah. working on three levels partner yeah. a partner b and then c is the relationship between them and that's yeah. really crucial Fantastic. It's so interesting because we lose ourselves when we get too busy, but the, there's then knock on um, impact to your partners and yeah, the wider impact. So you're kind of working with everybody. Absolutely. And, and obviously it's not everyone who comes to me as an overworking, ambitious person, of course, but there is a sense of busyness and distraction in our society today. That well, it's a cultural there. norm, yeah. isn't it? It's actually not fashionable and kind of looked down on if you say I had a quiet weekend and just relaxed. Yeah, you know, like you need to be able to explain what you did. And especially, I mean, we have in the London culture, there's about, you know, which yeah. pop-up bar did you go to? Which gallery opening did you see? And 
Mm. And it's actually, if you want to quiet your life saying, actually, we just, we could a nice feel. And then we went for a nice walk. The kind of things that actually people are now doing in lockdown. Yes, that's, yeah. That's the interesting thing I've seen because we're making all these assumptions that relationships have only been strained. Mm-hmm. And actually having done some polls on my, my Instagram account and asking people so that I don't base my views just on the people who come for couples therapy, yeah. but actually asking everyone. Actually, there's a real mixed bag there. Yeah, lots so of people saying that they're finding yeah. themselves strained mm-hmm. and more tension, being on top of each other, especially for parents. I think who are homeschooling, that's a tough one. Yeah, exactly. People are saying, mm-hmm. actually, I, I don't really want to go back to what we had before, where we were doing an hour commute every day and yeah. working really long yeah. hours and barely like getting the kids to bed and shoveling in some food and then watching telly and collapsing. And that's the kind of lifestyle changes that people are now trying to make to make them more values based on what matters to them mm. rather than living a life that's full of over busyness and, and rarely having any connection time with, with their partner and their kids. So the lockdown has given us all a natural pause, kind yes. of the first part of your kind of formula in, in, in the book that you talk about. Yeah. And obviously the tricky bit about that is that it's not been done willingly, you know, forced into this. So that's not the Mm. same as saying, oh, it's it's such a lovely lesson for all of us. I mean, I'm 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 not being a, you know, I'm not being a superhuman here. Obviously, this is hard on everyone. Yes. You have to imagine that the the most interesting thing is that most of the people are saying to me there's a strain. They're Mm. also the same ones are saying, but on the other hand, we've also had more time together. So the funniest thing is that there's a mixture of the light and the dark from the same people. Yes, yes, it's a it's a mixed bag, isn't it? We wouldn't have chosen what everybody's been through this last year, but we've got, I suppose, we've got to take the learning out of it and move forward, haven't we? And if we can pull some positives out of that, and that there could be a lot of cultural changes and that a lot of people are going to be changing how they live their lives and, and kind of work in their relationships. So, and in terms of your book who who is it aimed at is it for everybody in a relationship or is it if you're just struggling or you're needing support what type of couple would you imagine kind of buying your book well well, both really I think that anyone who's sort of feeling at the they're at the brink of divorce and feeling Mm. that they can't even stand each other's company at the moment they can't have a conversation without Mm. wanting to kill each other they might not actually manage to just use the book uh, as a self-help they might need to have further assistance by a trained couples therapist or a relationship counsellor but other than that it's it's for everyone who's in a relationship where they either want to reconnect after some stressful times and understand and make sense of what's happened and maybe mm-hmm. not re- replicate those mistakes for the future as well as for couples where they actually think we really value what we have and we deeply love each other and we mm-hmm. want to see how we can continue to nurture and maintain that relationship so it's not for either or it's for both and and it's even for helpful for people who are not currently in a relationship but they mm-hmm. want to reflect on what went quote unquote wrong the last time what learning mm-hmm. can I have from that how can I think about how my patterns show up in maybe the next relationship I enter? And then lastly, obviously, it's for professionals as well who are working with couples mm. who want inspiration for how to address these things and what exercises to bring up with couples. But it's mainly aimed at the, the general public to just use as a self-help book. Yeah, that's, and I can imagine it being, I don't work with couples, but in my therapy, obviously, a lot of my clients are in couples and I can see that it would be really useful for me to kind of, share with them some of the kind of exercises and stuff because when you work with somebody individually you know if you can work in any way with with their relationship as well it's just hugely beneficial isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, because it has such an impact on our, yeah. on our mental mental well being and our health. Because that's yes. the thing about the the lockdown and how these mm-hmm. relationships have been strained. That when you are under strain, your relationship is also under strain. Yes, and when your relationship yeah. is under strain, you are also under strain. So it's that kind yeah. of very strong correlation between the well being of you and the well being of your relationship that goes in both Absolutely. directions. By the way, so that's yeah. why I've got so passionate about working with the couples mm-hmm. dynamic as well because I've noticed that, and we know this from the research as well that when we work with an individual and treating their anxiety or depression if that's related to them having relationship problems even if they recover with the treatment and they feel well in their anxiety and depression they're so likely to relapse back again because the root cause hasn't been treated so if the relationship problem persists they're vulnerable Mm -hmm. for having another episode of anxiety or depression because of that so and that's why I thought actually widening the the casting the net a bit wider and treating the, the couple's dynamic especially because of, you know, my passion around parental mental health as well, the partners who become parents, yeah. I think is hugely important for how, you know, we then think about the mental well-being of the next generation. Yeah. What are they witnessing? What are they learning from their parents about love, about emotional expression, about, mm-hmm. you know, repairing any ruptures, about conflict resolution, communication, all of that. Mm-hmm. I can skill my couples up in so they can show those skills to the next generation. So yeah. that's why it's not just about when you're needing to intervene. So mm. intervention is one thing where, you know, you might come to couples therapy for, but prevention is also really important by learning helpful relationship skills so yeah. that you prevent your relationship from going down that way. Mm, well, that's such an interesting view on it all. It makes me think we probably all could do with some relationship counselling I think it's so neglected isn't it that when we somebody comes to us for therapy and we often we just work with that person and and ignore the kind of framework around them and the impact that's having it's it's you know it's it's very important work you're doing and you talk a lot about um developing more compassion in our relationships and people can have some preconceived ideas about the word compassion can you explain more about what you mean about compassion and why it's so important absolutely so part of the the things building up my my book part of the frameworks in my book is compassion focused therapy which was developed by paul gilbert um, noticing that people who were struggling with anxiety or depression, who also had a high level of self-criticism or shame, mm-hmm. struggled to recover with the traditional methods, like for instance, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And I'm trying to CBT as well. So I'm very passionate about that too. So it wasn't like it was abandoning ship. It was just more thinking, how do I tweak this? How do I help couples and individuals develop more of a compassionate kind of inner yeah. talk? So mm-hmm. And noticing that the way you were talking to yourself a bit more kindly, a bit more with empathy and understanding also then ripples out with how you then talk to your partner. That If you're very critical with yourself, giving yourself a very hard time for any mistakes you make, actually you're more likely to also then maybe turn that criticism outwards and be critical and, and harsh on your partner. And that criticism can be really corrosive to relationships. It can really... Um, you know, erode away your connection between you when both of you then may be feeling defensive or feeling attacked because the other person has pointed out your flaws or shortcomings. And then we can see a, a whole pattern of, of defensive strategies that, that we then see in couples where they might then get caught up in point scoring or kind of tit for tat and blame yeah. and shame. And actually that's that's where I think it's really important to acknowledge the 
the value of being more compassionate as a as a choice as something that you can train your mind to become mm. rather than something that we all either you have it or you don't have it we don't think of it that way we think of something that you can cultivate that you can grow and strengthen and when you do then that can have a positive ripple effect in your relationship so breaking any negative vicious cycles or downward spirals and creating a bit more of a kind warm safe supportive environment and kind of a change of atmosphere in your household so that's why it's really really important to do it and I think you're right when you say that people have preconceived notions of what compassion is I hit upon that quite a lot especially for male partners in hetero couples who might have especially kind of slightly older generation who might have been trained to be you know kind of stiff up a lip and you know yeah. keep calm carry on and talking about feelings feels like a sign of weakness. So that's where I have to kind of do a piece of education around them, what compassion is and what it isn't. And we don't think of that as a, as a weak, fluffy, pitying choice. It's not about being nicey-nice. Mm. It's much more about it being a courageous, strong choice to be There's able... a lot to- of the um, emotions and, you know, that you have to go towards, they're difficult. It's a lot easier to avoid them isn't it rather than oh, absolutely. trying to work with them absolutely and that's probably the biggest thing I see couples mm. do before they come to couples therapy is that they get on okay day to day they might be able to kind of talk about the the basics but they avoid the emotional conversations because mm. it's hard it can bring up stuff for you and it's easier to avoid those things so you know the you know the, the definition of compassion the way that it's defined in research is really an important one to consider for couples and that we think mm. of that as a sensitivity to the suffering of yourself and other people with mm. a commitment to alleviate and prevent its return. Now that's quite wordy and lengthy. Yeah. So I think of it as actually, why does it make sense that I feel this way? You know, ma- making mm. sense of your pain, making sense of your partner's pain. Why are mm. they being really upset and irritated this evening when they come home from work? Oh, well, that makes sense because they were just criticized in a meeting by their boss. So I can make sense of why they're slamming the doors. And the mm. second part is well, actually what's going to be helpful rather than harmful if I shout at them saying what on earth is wrong with you can you just stop slamming the doors or just asking what's the matter you see you seem upset that we're choosing a more helpful rather than harmful way and that's be quite calm to do that though don't we oh yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah so obviously compassion doesn't mean that you allow yourself to be treated as a punching bag and always have Mm. to kind of emerge like a you know like a Buddhist monk calm person. Yeah. It's not about that. If anything, it's making sense of all the moments when you do lose your shit, when you didn't manage mm. to keep it calm. And then using other skills to be able to apologize, to repair the rupture, to learn from why you lost your shit, rather than assuming mm. that you're never going to have those interactions. You're never going to misread your partner or criticize mm. them when they're doing something where you might think, actually, it might have been more helpful if I would have calmly asked you what's the matter. So it's not just about what you do in the moment that matters. It's also what you do after that moment has passed. And, the, you know, you kind of come back to the karma point. That's where you can do a lot of the repair. And that's really, really beneficial for couples. Yeah. And the, there's nothing like our partners to make us, to push our buttons and make us kind of completely crazy and angry, isn't there? And how could you break that down a little bit more for us? How in those moments when you want to 
absolutely explode what would you say to people you know what what bit I love the I love this question uh, you know <laughs> I love that you were saying also in your in your questions note to me before and you're saying asking for a friend yeah asking, asking for a friend but yeah, this is actually really important for me I need yeah and that's it's funny to do that because it's you know even the professions we have we're still human and human beings have the capacity for anger aggression mm. hostility territorialism being petty really you know we have the capacity mm. for that as well as the capacity for nurture caring for each other taking care of your partner being deeply moved by things that hurt them you know it's it's mm. even down to kind of um, physical level that we can measure this in in the the, the blood levels of, wow. of stress on couples so if mm. if you're attuned with your partner if you're in a good place and you care about them and your partner is telling you something stressful and painful that's going on for them. If we measure their blood cortisol level, as yeah. in the stress um, hormone cortisol, that goes up for your partner telling the story, but it also goes up for the partner listening. Wow. Because you're feeling your partner's pain. Yeah. And that's why it's actually really hard to be in these relationships. Why it's hard to then remain calm when your partner is telling you something. Because you mm. feel it too. You get riled up too. And that mm. attunement can then obviously be really beneficial for your connection. But it means it's kind of hard work and you do get yeah. that crazy angry feeling simply yeah. because you care if yeah. it's someone else that you don't know or someone off the street is telling you a, giving you a flippant comment you'd be like how dare you and then you go home and forget about it a bit so it doesn't affect your physiology in the same way and that's interesting because no. we've struggled a bit being in the same house because our house wasn't set up for us both working here being here all the time so you know great so all our lives have changed and the things we've had set up worked very well but in lockdown it's been a different story we've had to adapt that's so key though Sarah that the fact that you can adapt to that ever-changing situation that gives that gives a sign Mm. about the strength in your partnership to actually how can we flexibly adapt to what's going on because if you Mm. think of a you know, if you make a commitment with someone that you hope is going to be long lasting, that's, you know, a lifespan commitment for some yeah. people. So mm-hmm. that actually, you know, across the lifespan, you're going to have so many different, different, different things happening. You know, obviously mm-hmm. a global pandemic is not one that we maybe think about when we say I do to someone and getting married thinking, <laughs> you know, in a few years from now, we're going to be all in, in a global lockdown. Maybe nobody yeah. anticipated that, but we mm-hmm. can anticipate that hardship is going to come life stresses are going to come we're going to move house we might have you know difficult births of our babies or we might become unemployed or we might struggle with our health and and well-being Mm. all of these difficult strains will pull on their relationship and if we can adapt and you know face those problems together as a team thinking how do we work with this rather than you're the problem you do this you know you're the problem actually if we think this is the problem how are we going to cope with it like you did you know how are we going to adapt how are we going to adapt our space to work for this that doesn't Mm. mean it's going to have to be completely seamless and friction free as you're adapting it's just getting there in the end is what really matters but in the back to those moments when it all goes wrong you know in those moments where you just lose your shit basically what would you what would you advise well, I think the more self-awareness you can have mm. around losing your shit, the better. And mm. a, a fellow psychologist once asked me, you know, when we were in, we were on our way to a compassionate retreat in Thailand and I was really jet lagged and was tired. And we'd been talking for a couple of hours in, the, in a bus journey down to this retreat about love and relationships and just getting to know each other. And then she asked me, so what is the answer then to a kind of a lasting connection? How, how do you have a love that lasts? And I said, mm. quite flippantly, being really jet lagged, well, basically, if you can own your own shit 
and mm. tolerate your partner shit, you got a pretty good start. <laughs> and I stand by that. Obviously, I've rephrased it more eloquently than that in the book, but I stand by that because yeah. I think it's true. If you yeah. if you really think about focusing on your partner's stuff and their shortcomings, pointing out mm. their flaws, you're missing mm. yourself. So you do yeah. need to take a good look in the mirror as well and do your own inner work. Yeah. But if you then have lost your shit in an occasion got too angry you know not to worry too much and just own it you know I'm mm. I'm really sorry I, I lost my patience and I'm sorry I snapped at you that wasn't okay yeah so actually apology saying I'm sorry and then pairing that with gratitude like saying mm. thank you can be really powerful so that can sound something like I'm really sorry I snapped at you this morning thank you so much for being so patient with me when I'm so irritable mm. I've not slept very well and this is just really hard for us right now with the homeschooling so thank mm. you for for bearing with me that can be yeah. really powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's lovely, and it's it's something I talk about in the the CBT journal and and journaling for our well being is mainly about creating awareness of our own minds. The more we have awareness, the more choice we have over how we act and the things that we do. So, in the, one of the my favorite quotes in the journal is about kind of all our relationships start with ourselves. We have to kind of work on ourselves, and then our relationships around us really transform. Yeah, and it fits absolutely. in nicely with with kind of what you're saying. So, you talk about learning to build a solid foundation in our relationships. I really loved the way you put that, and this makes a lot of sense because uh, we are spending our lives with someone. We're going to go through, like you've just said, so much together, you know, and ups and downs and unexpected things like what we're going through at the moment. Could you give us some insights into what you mean by a solid foundation in a relationship and some? practical tips on building this Hmm. it's interesting that we actually have some research saying that the satisfaction in a relationship you know marital or cohabiting or otherwise kind of a long-lasting connection is down to 70 percent to do with friendship or companionship so actually really liking each other is a pretty good start that you know obviously you can have a friendship when then you've maybe lost some of the passion or maybe some of the kind of extra bit that makes you um, loving partners and not just friends But it's very hard to have it the other way. I very rarely see long-term commitments where you have the lust and passion, but none of the friendship. That tends to be very short engagement. So we do know that to have a solid foundation in a relationship, to make it last over time, you do need to like spending time with each other. You need to kind of be able to build, you know, lasting positive memories that way, um, have things that you like to do together and we're not I really want to clarify that that doesn't mean that we have to be compatible on all points mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we have to like all the same things but it's something there about sharing values rather than yeah. sharing interests so that you can want the same things from life and, and find the similar things meaningful so that might be that you you know one of you is into dancing the other one likes to you know go to pub quizzes but actually what you both share in common is a value around kindness or a value around ambition or supportiveness mm. or uh, curiosity or fun or whatever it might be. You actually might share similar values, even though they manifest themselves in different ways. So a solid mm. foundation would mean that you share some things together and you yeah. allow each other the space to explore things outside of your partnership too. You know, having trust enough to kind of say, you go to the dance. Um, it's not really my thing, but you go and enjoy yourself. And then finding some things that you do do together, things that are exclusive to just the two of you, things that make your partnership different to, say, some of your other friendships. There might be things that you share, like an emotional intimacy, things you tell your partner that you wouldn't tell maybe your closest friends. 
Mm. Um, and obviously there might be an, a, you know, physical intimacy that, you know, a touch, a closeness, holding each other, you know, giving massages, things like that, that you would also exclusively do just with this one person. So mm. making them feel like they are your number one priority, you know, your chosen person, mm. but that doesn't mean that we have to match on all accounts and be compatible on all accounts. It's more important to compassionately deal with your incompatibilities. So all the ways you are different is about how we deal with that with compassion that really, really matters. Mm, so that, that would make to me a stronger foundation so that you could tolerate any of these kind of, I guess, rough patches or stormy mm. waters. So if you think of it being, you know, I think the analogy has been used a few times during the pandemic around how we all are on the same stormy seas, but we mm. all have differently equipped boats. And that's, yeah, I think, is true for our partnerships as well. If you try to maintain your boat and making sure it's well patched up and solid, then it can handle a few storms without breaking to pieces. Mm, that's lovely. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking that the longer you're in a relationship for, I've been married for about 15 years now, I'm thinking, gosh, this is a lot of work, isn't it? And, and yeah. I wonder if as the years go on, that you can kind of neglect your relationship and you can kind of stop thinking I need to kind of just you know work on this really important relationship that's right in front of me you know and so it's a it's an ongoing process it sounds like yeah yeah and that's what you know we asked me for kind of practical tips and you know, I guess one of them is to to have you know a regular check-in how are we mm. getting on how are we doing the way that you might MOT your car or yeah. go to your dentist hopefully once a year to just check your you know your dental hygiene that you would yeah. do similar MOTs on your relationship how are we doing mm. are we in a reasonably good place and you know if someone has clocked up 15 years of marriage you mm. will be able to kind of almost like a you know a, a, a necklace of pearls you'll be able to to look mm. at all the different things that you've survive together that were difficult you came out the other end and also be able to round up a row of experiences that have been really positive and rewarding the kind of you know the holiday photos or the birth mm. of your kids or things that have been really rewarding yeah. for you yeah. so all couples have a necklace that's sort of almost oh, like every other pearl white and every yeah. other pearl black the sort of light and dark moments that all make up the foundation of you of your relationship oh, that's a lovely way to put it yeah thank yeah. you yeah. Thank you. I think of it that way because life is both light and dark. And if you Absolutely. just focus on the light, thinking that that is the importance of a relationship, that I must always feel the happy, feel the light, mm. then you're missing how actually getting through and surviving the dark is really strengthening for your connection as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that can be the trickiest thing with in something like Instagram, where we just see the the pearls, the the white pearls, and actually there's a lot more to every relationship, isn't there? That's Absolutely, the that's the you know that's the highlight reel, as we call it. That's yes. Like- the yes. bit that people put out there but you're not going to take a picture of when you've rowed over broccoli or whatever sort of stupid <laughs> thing that we do people talk about and I wrote a post about that on Instagram the other day about a mindful muffin that I kind of made you know we bought, we bought little mini muffins from the garden center oh. and, I, and I ate two of them because they were really good mm-hmm. and I had to really make myself slow down and not eat the third and go up to my husband's uh, office and give it to him and say very good I'm impressed with myself anyone who knows me anyone who knows me would know that that takes huge (laughs) self-discipline but it's that sense of actually compassion is making tough choices and that can be small as like giving away the last muffin because Mm. in that moment I was aware that my husband had been up from 4 a.m with our son exhausted we'd had a really tough night and he was really tired and he was trying to help me with 
you know, tried to promote my book and he was working tirelessly on that. And Aww. so I went upstairs and I said, thank you for everything you've done today. And here's, you know, I saved the last muffin for you. Aww. And obviously he didn't even know that I bought the muffins. So I could have just eaten them you all. Could have been so That's so good. That's so, <laughs> such strength in your compassion. <laughs> oh, yes, very much so. But I think that's like a small little tip that mm. when we think of compassionate actions or little acts of kindness, mm. They don't have to be large. It's the little things yeah. that are the glue of relationships. So, mm. you know, one time, I, you know, obviously we're both working from home. So I brought up a little tray with a hot cup of coffee and a banana. They drew a heart on to my husband. Oh, Just little sweet. things like that. Yeah. You were in my mind. You were in my yeah. thoughts. I yeah. see you. I value you. Here you go. So that took mm. me all of, what, three minutes? Mm. It does not have to be, be big and grand, especially not right now when people no. are so full up. So yeah. practical yeah. tips to do right now is just little little bits that you can do in the spur of the moment mm. to just show your husband or your, your wife or your partner or your mm. girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, yeah. that you are just appreciating them. I seek you and I value you and we will get through this. And at mm-hmm. the end of this being finished, we will take stock of where we are. We might have to do some repair work because other priorities might have come to the forefront, like getting the kids through homeschooling or mm. surviving a load or made redundant, but we will get through this. And just yeah. having little chats like that is showing mm. up with intention and being a bit more mindful of what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, creating those small moments. That's lovely. Yeah. And I work with individuals um, in therapy and sometimes uh, quite regularly, really, we'll, we'll talk at some point about them maybe considering couples counselling. Um, or relationship counselling and there's often a real resistance I think there's still quite um, a large stigma around um, which it seems ridiculous you know kind of nurturing or caring or having support for your relationship Um, and there's concern that if you kind of have any support for your relationship it's actually signaling the end of your relationship and I really worry that this puts people off from looking for support in their relationships and so from a very experienced relationship therapist is having support for your relationship signaling the end well the very short answer is no um, if anything I think that that means that you are prioritizing your relationship enough to go and do uncomfortable things I sometimes even use the analogy of couples therapy can feel a little bit like a root canal but if you don't have it done you're gonna have to pull your tooth out so it's not yeah. nice for everyone uh, and once I've even used that analogy for people saying you know this may feel like a root canal it's almost like opens up and say well actually it's not as bad as that and you know I, I can do this I can do hard things but mm. it does mean that you have to again like I said take a look at yourself in the mirror it means that mm. you have to put some commitment into place you have to make some efforts for your relationship and in the kind of relationship uh, therapy that I do there's obviously tasks or you know assignments do in between the sessions to practice so it's it's much like anything you want to change it does take a bit of involvement and effort to try to make improvements in your life so that's why I think it's it's really important to say well actually even if you come to your dentist and say oh gosh I've got this pain they can work with that but you wouldn't do dentistry on yourself at home in your own mouth (laughs) you would go to a trained professional to do that but what you Mm. could do at home in your own mouth is to floss and brush that's and you know maybe avoiding eating too much sugar etc so that's where I kind of think we need to catch couples earlier and really give them the message that the fact that you come into a couples therapist is no more saying that you're failing than if you go into your dentist or if you go into a physiotherapist to address some pains in your body but what you can do is to go to the gym and train your body so you don't necessarily have to go to see a physio that doesn't mean that you can prevent yourself from ever seeing the physio 
things can mm. happen anyway. You can sustain an injury. Yeah. Even if you do your best at going to the gym or flossing your teeth, you can still sustain an injury. And that's what couples therapy can be for. And mm. this is why I created my online course, The Compassionate Couple, to kind of demystify some of these things and how people access couples skills, even if they don't want to go see a couples therapist. Because mm. you're right, that resistance is often around the sort of feeling a bit embarrassed about sitting in front of a stranger and talking about your own kind of like quite unquote dirty laundry in public mm. with, with someone that you don't know who you think is going to be judgmental. So I created this course where you can start to work on your relationship on your own from your own sofa mm. and, and not thinking about seeing someone else. And if that's not sufficient, then you obviously can go and see someone who can coach you through it, like a, mm. a therapist or a counselor. So the short answer is no. And the long answer is also no, it's not the end. <laughs> it can be, you know, I've, I've helped people with some most horrific relationship traumas and injuries mm. where they felt that after that work, you know, after even years of affairs and things like that, when they come out the other end where they feel that their marriage is stronger than it ever was. Mm. So it doesn't have to be the end, yeah. but my strongest encouragement for people would be don't leave it so long. On average, when do you think it's the right time? Do you have a sense of when people... The right should... time, I guess it really depends on the couple, but sooner rather than later. So the right time is yesterday. Thinking, oh, maybe we should go and see someone that you should have done yesterday. Okay, that's, yeah. that's good, yeah. Do you so think every just... couple should have some sessions? Is that... And again, I'm very careful with the word should mm. because I work with perfectionists and should is a very mm. trigger word. Yeah. I think people could. You know, I think in the current circumstances where a lot of uh, marriages are entered through civil ceremonies, yeah. we don't have any marriage preparation the way that mm. we used to have when we kind of you belong to a small local parish. You know, your vicar would teach you a little bit about some of the things and strains that might come up in your relationship, how you can negotiate and discuss whether you want children and all of these kind of milestones that mm. civil ceremonies are kind of left without. That's one of the things I want to explore in the future as well, of how we help couples guide through these milestones and preparing for the strains ahead, mm. the better, the worse. So every couple could have couples therapy, but not yeah. every couple needs to. But every every couple should learn relationship skills. That's a show that I, I am going to put in there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So could you share some practical tips for us to help improve our relationships? Maybe there's some stuff that's from the book or some what if you could give us a few practical tips, what would they be? I'm going to pick a few tips. And we've kind of talked about some of these things already. Mm. But because I'm so aware of how overwhelmed everyone is and kind Mm. of full up at the moment, I don't want to make these lofty things. I'm just going to Mm. give five really quick tips. The first one is we do a reality check of how hard it is currently. So even saying Mm. to yourselves out loud, this is really hard. And no wonder Mm. that we're struggling or no wonder that we'd be more snappy because look at what we're dealing with at the moment yeah it's really acknowledging that. Yeah. yeah so just really acknowledging that can take some of the pressure off it and, mm. and help you be a bit more aware that it's not going to be forever this is you know extreme circumstances that you're finding yourself yeah. in can take you you're away from that failure story thinking that oh, we're failing in our marriage or my relationship is doomed or maybe we don't love each other anymore that actually you just under strain it's a mm. huge strain so that first tip of mine is to do a little reality check and frequently make space for that with your partner saying gosh isn't this really hard and look mm. at us trying to work together as a team here look at us trying to adapt to this look at us doing the best we can to yeah. keep afloat and survive that can take the pressure off a bit. So that was mm. my first tip. Secondly, I want to think a little bit about, and the second and the third tip kind of belong together as well. Mm. The second one is, is saying, I'm sorry. 
So when yeah. you've done something that you don't feel so proud of, and we all do, we all have moments when we are our worst selves, yeah. then maybe saying, I'm really sorry that I did that. And I'm aware that it really hurt you. And mm. I, I wish I hadn't done that. So having yeah. that repair of any rupture helps mm. you to, to kind of keep your, your relationship from snapping. Mm. The third tip is related to that again, like I said earlier about saying thank you. So having yeah. a regular gratitude practice, and that does not have to be complicated. It can be just say, I noticed that you did the dishes without me asking. Thank you. I'm really, I really appreciate that. It makes me feel really valued. So adding your feelings in can really help as well. So thank you for the thing you did. That makes me feel X. That can be really oh, helpful. That's a nice tip. Yeah. So that's the third tip. So obviously, thank you. And I'm sorry, kind of go hand in hand, like I said yeah. earlier. And it can be really helpful. The fourth tip is to kind of do a, a regular check-in. So what do you want? Mm. What do you need? And if you keep routinely asking your partner, what do you need right now to feel well? Mm. Also that they're going to reciprocate that and they might start to ask the same to you. And you start to care a little bit more about each other's well-being. Mm. So you can do this quite formally as a, as a weekly check-in, maybe on your Sundays, you kind of talk through the week ahead and make space for both of you um, to, to get your needs met. And that's especially important for, for families where there might be young kids present, yeah. where we get a lot of bandwidth for ourselves, or it can be just done more organically on the fly in the moment. Like, oh, actually, you look like you've not slept very well. What do you need today? Mm. And when you do that, a partner is more likely to replicate. So that's tip number four, doing kind of a regular check-in of what you want and what you need. Mm. And the last thing is just to say to your partner, I'm listening. So making space for them, little snippets of connection of where you maybe say, I'm going to, I want to be all ears and putting my phone down, let's turn the TV off, 15 mm. minute connection time is way more important in terms of quality of time rather than quantity of time, which we don't have a lot of at the moment. So just saying, I'm all ears, what's going mm, on? How are you feeling? Yeah, showing them that you are there and you are listening. So that's my fifth tip. They're lovely tips, and they feel like they would really contribute to kind of building that solid foundation. You know, the the more and more these small things, and it's just not taking things for granted, isn't it? And just not kind of getting so busy in your life. You can. It's easy to forget about your relationship, but if you can bring those, you know, the really nice practical five tips that you can, if you just bring them to the front of your mind, they're going to have a huge impact on your well-being your part your partner's well-being your relationship and build a lovely foundation for a relationship going forward that's that's so lovely thank you thank you I'm sure after this and you know people are going to be really keen to kind of find out more about what you do and and the book that's coming out the lasting connection which is out this week really and you can pre-order now on Amazon which I've done where can people buy the book from and if they would like to follow you and find out more about the amazing work you're doing what are the best platforms yeah fantastic I guess you've already mentioned that that you can find the book on Amazon or Waterstones or a bookshop these kind of independent bookshops as well by the time this episode comes out the book would already be out there so hopefully if we're lucky maybe even bookshops will be open and I will go and covertly sign copies in the shops so that that would the best place to kind of come and follow me or hang out with me and and learn more from what I do Mm -hmm. is to come along to my Instagram page which is the Thomas Connection or the underscore Thomas underscore connection or come to my website thethomasconnection.co.uk where you can learn more about the book and the podcast as well 
The podcast is called Pause Purpose Play. You can listen to that on any major platform. And the, if you are kind of feeling that you're a high striving person who are maybe too ambitious or maybe wanting to follow your ambition, but without drowning in it, mm-hmm. you can come along to the Pause Purpose Play Facebook group as well. So those are the things I've kind of got going on at the moment. And very soon within the next few weeks, I will be starting my waiting list for the Compassionate Couple as well, which is an eight-week course in guiding couples in mindful compassion to be kinder with themselves as well as with their partner. So that will be opening soon and you can read more about that on my website as well. Fantastic. And I will put links on the show notes to all the things that you've mentioned. And Thank you for your wonderful insights today. I really enjoyed talking to you and I'm going to take an awful lot away. So I'm sure everybody else (laughs) listening will do as well. So thank you, Michaela, so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's been lovely. Pleasure. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.